Chapter Fourteen of A Prefect's Uncle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Prefect's Uncle by W. G. Wodehouse. Chapter Fourteen. Norris takes a short holiday. It's all rot, observed Pringle, to say that they haven't a chance because they have. He and Lorimer were passing through the cricket field on their way back from an early morning visit to the baths, and had stopped to look at Leicester's house team, revised version, taking its daily hour of fielding practice. They watched the performance keenly and critically as spies in an enemy camp. Who said they hadn't a chance, said Lorimer. I didn't. Oh, everybody. The chaps call them the kindergarten and the kids' happy league and things of that sort rot i call it they seem to forget that you only want two or three really good men in a team if the rest can field look at our crowd they've all either got their colors or else are just outside the teams and i swear you can't rely on one of them to hold the merest sitter right into his hands on the subject of fielding in general and catching in particular pringle was feeling rather sore in the match which his house had just won against browning's he had put himself on to bowl in the second innings. He was one of those bowlers who managed to capture from six to ten wickets in the course of a season, and the occasions on which he bowled really well were few. On this occasion he had bowled excellently, and it had annoyed him when five catches, five soft, gentle catches, were missed off him in the course of four overs. As he watched the crisp, clean fielding which was shown by the very smallest of leicester's small tail he felt that he would rather have any of that despised eight on his side than any of the schoolhouse lights except baines and lorimer our lot's all right really said lorimer in answer to pringle's sweeping condemnation everybody has his off days they'll be all right next match doubt it replied pringle it's all very well for you you bull to hit the sticks i don't now just watch these kids for a moment now look no he couldn't have got to that wait a second now Catherine had skied one up into the deep wilson burgess and carstairs all started for it burgess said the bishop the other two stopped dead burgess ran on and made the catch now there you are said pringle pointing his moral see how those two kids stopped when Catherine called if that had happened in one of our matches you'd have had a dozen men rotting about underneath the ball and getting in one another's way and then probably winding up by everybody leaving the catch to everybody else oh come on said lorimer you're getting morbid why the dickens didn't you think of having our fellows out for fielding practice if you're so keen on it they wouldn't have come when a chap gets colors he seems to think he's bought the place you can't drag a second eleven man out of his bed before breakfast to improve his feeling he thinks it can't be improved they're a heartbreaking crew good said lorimer i suppose that includes me no you're a model man i have seen you hold a catch now and then thanks oh i say i gave in the poem yesterday i hope the deuce it won't get the prize i hope they won't spot either that i didn't write the thing not a chance said pringle complacently you're all right don't you worry yourself Webster's, against whom Leicester's had been drawn in the opening round of the house matches, 
had three men in their team and only three who knew how to hold a bat it was the slackest house in the school and always had been it did not cause any overwhelming surprise accordingly when leicester's beat them without fatigue by an innings and a hundred and twenty-one runs webster's won the toss and made thirty-five for leicester's reese and gethryn scored fifty and sixty-two respectively and marriott fifty-three not out they then with two wickets down declared and rattled webster's out for seventy the public which had its eye on the team in order to see how its tail was likely to shape was disappointed the only definite fact that could be gleaned from the match was that the junior members of the team were not to be despised in the field the early morning field outs had had their effect adams especially shone while wilson at cover and burgess in the deep recalled jessop and tidelsley the school made a note of the fact so did the bishop he summoned the eight juniors seriatim to his study and administered much praise coupled with the news that fielding before breakfast would go on as usual leicester had drawn against jepson's in the second round norris's lot had beaten cook's by curiously enough almost exactly the same margin as that by which leicester had defeated webster's it was generally considered that this match would decide leicester's chances for the cup if they could beat a really hot team like jeffson's it was reasonable to suppose that they would do the same to the rest of the houses though the schoolhouse would have to be reckoned with but the schoolhouse as pringle had observed was weak in the field it was not a coherent team individually its members were good but they did not play together as leicester's did but the majority of the school did not think seriously of their chances except for pringle who as has been mentioned before always made a point of thinking differently from everyone else no one really believed that they would win the cup or even appear in the final how could a team whose tail began at the fall of the second wicket defeat teams which like the schoolhouse had no real tail at all norris supported this view it was for this reason that when at breakfast on the day on which jepson's were due to play leicester he received an invitation from one of his many uncles to spend a weekend at his house he decided to accept it this uncle was a man of wealth after winning two fortunes on the stock exchange and losing them both he had at length amassed a third with which he retired in triumph to the country leaving throgmorton street to exist as best it could without him he had bought a show-place at a village which lay twenty miles by rail to the east of beckford and it had always been norris's wish to see this show-place a house which was said to combine the hoariest of antiquity with a variety of modern comforts merely to pay a flying visit there would be good but his uncle held out an additional attraction if norris could catch the one forty from horton he would arrive just in time to take part in the cricket match that day being the day of the annual encounter with the neighbouring village of pudford the rector of pudford the opposition captain so wrote norris's uncle had by underhand means lured down three really decent players from oxford not blues but almost who had come to the village ostensibly to read classics with him as their coach but in reality for the sole purpose of snatching from little bindlebury his own village 
the laurels that they had so nobly earned the year before he had heard that norris was captaining the beckford team this year and had an average of thirty eight point naught three two so would he come and make thirty eight point naught three two for little bindlebury this thought norris is fame this is where i spread myself i must be in this at any price he showed the letter to baker what a pity said baker what's a pity that you won't be able to go it seems rather a catch can't go said norris my dear sir you're talking through your hat think i'm going to refuse an invitation like this not if i know it i'm going to toddle off to jeffson get an exeat and catch the one forty and if i don't paralyze the pudford bowling i'll shoot myself but the house match leicester's this afternoon gurgled the amazed baker oh hang leicester surely the rest of you can lick the kids happy league without my help if you can't you ought to be ashamed of yourselves i've chosen you a wicket with my own hands fit to play a test match on of course we ought to lick them but you can never tell at cricket what's going to happen we oughtn't to run any risks when we got such a good chance of winning the pot why it's centuries since we won the pot don't you go i must man it's the chance of a lifetime baker tried another method of attack besides he said you don't suppose jeffson'll let you off to play in a beastly little village game when there's a house match on you must never know hissed norris after the manner of the surrey side villain he's certain to ask why you want to get off so early i shall tell him my uncle particularly wishes me to come early suppose he asks why i shall say i can't possibly imagine oh well if you're going to tell lies not at all merely a diplomatic evasion i'm not bound to go and sob out my secrets on jeffson's waistcoat baker gave up the struggle with a sniff morris went to mr jeffson and got leave to spend the weekend at his uncle's the interview went without a hitch as norris had prophesied you will miss the house match norris then said mr jeffson i'm afraid so sir but mr leicester's are very weak hm reese marriott gatherine are a good beginning yes sir but they've got nobody else their tail starts after those three very well but it seems a pity thank you sir said norris wisely refraining from discussing the matter he got his exeat which was what he had come for in the annals of pudford and little bindlebury cricket there had never been such a match as that year's the rector of pudford and his three oxford experts performed prodigies with the bat prodigies that is to say judged from the standpoint of ordinary pudford scoring where double figures were the exception rather than the rule the rector an elderly benevolent-looking gentleman played with astounding caution and still more remarkable luck for seventeen finally after he had been in an hour and ten minutes mid-on accepted the eighth easy chance offered to him and the ecclesiastic had to retire the three varsity men knocked up a hundred between them and the complete total was no less than a hundred and thirty four then came the sensation of the day after three wickets had fallen for ten runs norris and the little bindlebury curret and old cantab stayed together and knocked off the deficit norris's contribution of seventy-eight not out was for 
many a day this old topic of conversation over the evening pewter at the little bindlebury arms a non-enthusiast who tried on one occasion to introduce the topic of farmer giles grey pig found himself the most unpopular man in the village on the monday morning norris returned to jeffson's with pride in his heart and a sovereign in his pocket the latter the gift of his excellent uncle he had had he freely admitted to himself a good time his uncle had done him well exceedingly well and he looked forward to going to the show-place again in the near future in the meantime he felt a languid desire to know how the house-match was going on they must almost have finished the first innings he thought unless jeffson's had run up a very big score and kept their opponents in the field all the afternoon hello baker he said tramping breezily into the study i've had the time of my lifetime great simply no other word for it how's the match getting on baker looked up from the book he was reading what match he inquired coldly house match of course you lunatic what match do you think i meant how's it going on it's not going on said baker it's stopped you needn't be a funny goat said norris complainingly you know what i mean what happened on saturday they won the toss began baker slowly yes and went in and made a hundred and twenty good i told you they were no use a hundred and twenty's rotten then we went in and made twenty-one a hundred and twenty-one no just a simple twenty-one without any trimmings of any sort but man how why how on earth did it happen catherine took eight for nine does that seem to make it any clearer eight for nine rot show you the score sheet if you care to see it and the second innings oh you began a second innings yes we also finished it we scored rather freely in the second innings ten was on the board before the fifth wicket fell in the end we fairly collared the bowling and ran up a total of forty-eight norris took a seat and tried to grapple with the situation forty-eight look here baker swear you're not ragging baker took a green scoring sheet from the shelf and passed it to him look for yourself he said norris looked he looked long and earnestly then he handed the book back then they won he said blankly how do you guess these things observed baker with some bitterness well you are a crew said norris getting out for twenty-one and forty-eight i see gethryn got nine for thirty in the second innings he seems to have been on the spot i suppose the wicket suited him if you can call it a wicket next time you specially select a pitch for the house to play on i wish you'd hunt up something with some slight pretensions to decency why what was wrong with the pitch it was a bit worn that was all if said baker you call having holes three inch deep just where every ball pitches being a bit worn i suppose it was anyhow it would have been almost as well don't you think if you'd stopped and played for the house instead of going off to your rotten village match you were sick enough when gethryn went off to the mcc match oh curse said norris for he had been hoping against hope that the parallel nature of the two incidents would be less apparent to other people than it was to himself and so it came about that leicester's passed successfully the first two rounds and soared into the dizzy heights of the semi-final End of chapter 14. 
Norris takes a short holiday. 